Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. Listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. This is Marjorie. And this is Marjorie's worst half, Arnie. <laughs> you're still smarting over that, aren't you? <laughs> well, if you're the better half, that means I'm, I'm the, the worst. Obvious better half, according to Paul from JTA. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Paul. Now, if you didn't get enough of the digested look at the legacy collection from Jedi Temple Archives last week when we talked to Paul. We're going to be posting, actually, the figure rankings on our website this week when the show comes out. This is the overall digested count, and it's exclusive on SWActionNews.com. Thank you again, Paul. And it's how all of the commentators from all of the fan sites rank their figures 1 through 10. And it's an interesting list, and I dare say it's almost a great definitive list of if you only buy 10 figures, which 10 do you buy? And then take a look at the top 10. Obviously, you know the top 10 from Jedi Temple, but you don't know exactly how the rest ranked out. So check that out. It's linked to from our episode 250 homepage. And this is episode 250. Wow. It's funny how every year, it seems, we hit one of these 50-episode markers. Well, yeah, because there's 52 weeks in a year, Arnie, so the chances are... Eventually, we're going to have a year where we have two of these. Oh, wow. You are so silly. 250 episodes, but... That's 250 episodes of me being right. And that's only counting our base episodes. That's counting just basically how many weeks we've been on the air. It does not count all of our breaking news podcasts. It doesn't count our annual Black Friday coverage. Nobody covers Black Friday quite like us. Black Friday is Thanks to (laughs) gotadeal.com. It doesn't count the book club. There are more coming. I promise. Here's what happens with those. Life gets in the way. Arnie's been putting in over 12-hour days at work recently because, well, let's just not go there. And really, I don't edit the book clubs. Nobody edits the book clubs but me. I no, he's very like a near freak. And dear to my heart. Yes. But we also, it's not counting all the Republic Forces Radio Network episodes. So if we added them all together, I'm sure Nathan's done the math with StarWarsFanWorks.com, keeping track of all of this. We're definitely well over 300 episodes. 
But I don't know. 250 is a nice big round number, but I'm far more excited for the fact that this August we're hitting our five year anniversary. I know it's going to be exciting and it's going to be right around the time of celebration. What kind of gift do we have to buy the show for being together five years? What's the typical five year gift? I don't know because it's not 1950. Oh, I would think a twig or something. I don't know. The traditional is actually wood. So you were correct. (laughs) The modern is silverware. Have you bought me silverware? Really? No. I guess you could buy chopsticks. Lightsaber chopsticks? Yeah, I guess. That we could take and eat sushi with? No. Oil-covered sushi? Thanks, BP? No. It's barbecue sauce. But think about it. Our fifth year anniversary, and we're having a big party. I want to wait till the sixth anniversary. You get candy. That's more fun. Because we are having a big party in conjunction with Yak Face at Celebration 5. I know if you follow us on Twitter and Facebook, you've been seeing a lot of news about this party. First of all, this party, our initial allotment of tickets, we sold out of in eight days, guys. Technically, Marjorie, we oversold our initial allotment of tickets by about a third. We did. So we expanded the room because we had such a good response so that you guys can have... More people to hang out with, more faces to meet, more connections made. And it's a lot of fun if you've not been one to if you've not been to one of our get togethers. I know sometimes we have like little dinner parties when we go to smaller conventions, but the C four party was a blast and it was a great evening. And this is gonna be another great evening. We're gonna have prizes, we're gonna have some special guests, we're going to just really have a good time. We're gonna have little stuff set up for you guys to set to do around the room again prizes donated by sponsors like backstage toys and brian's toys as well as a few items we're throwing in ourselves from the Smithsonian to make things a little more fun so it's gonna be great and per marjorie's request i am not the dj of the evening so it will not be all sir mix a lot and yes no arnie is not the DJ. That's something we agreed with me and Jason from Yak Face is that Arnie will not be the DJ. So if you're looking for the mild rap hits <laughs> of the 90s, it's not going to happen. Actually, we have a theme for the music that you guys will notice when you hopefully come into the party. But this is it. We have contract signed. The party gets no bigger. In eight days, we oversold our initial allotment by a third. When tickets are gone, they're gone, and there's less than 50 when we're recording this. Now, last time we were recording, I said we were two-thirds sold out, and we were sold out by the time the show came out. Mm -hmm. So as of recording, there's less than 50. When this comes out, I can't say how many will be left, but they're selling fast. If I know people are like, well, we're not sure what we're going to do. You got to decide because otherwise we're going to be sold out and we want to see you there. And one of the reasons we are going to cap them is one, we don't want to have a gigantic party. And two, we want to have enough time to make the exclusive T-shirt that you guys are going to be getting with every ticket. The T-shirt is included in your ticket price. The art is by Kevin Graham, who's a very cool artist. And just an all around great guy. Yeah. And we hope to have a proof of that available for viewing on our Facebook pages and yakface.com and our forums, hopefully in the next week, maybe later. Again, the tickets could be sold out, though, by the time you see what yeah. the shirt is. I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's very retro cool. It is. It is definitely in keeping with the Empire theme of Celebration 5. Speaking of Celebration 5 and Kevin Graham, the Star Wars artists have been announced, or at least the first batch, and their prints are available for viewing on StarWarsShop.com. 
I got to be honest. I remember Celebration 4, the whole artist alley. I'd been pretty dense when it came to art until the show started and some people like the Stenstrudes really opened my eyes to it. And with Celebration 4, it was one of their big focuses. And I started looking at the art a little bit more. And overall, I thought mostly it's really nice. But a lot of it was stuff I wouldn't have on my wall. Looking at these initial prints from Celebration 5... Wow, it's it's hard to pick which ones I wouldn't want for my wall. I mean, they have some by Jerry Vanderstelt, which is so Empire themed. And it has my favorite thing from Empire is Luke and Vader in front of that big window, because that was like the cover of the the story of the Empire Strikes Back record album. And it's got also a little bit of a feel of the old VHS cover and Vader's head looming large. Really nice print. Chris Travas outdid himself with a Boba Fett. And it's not a Boba Fett you've seen before. A new pose and a great rendition of Cloud City and the Falcon. Plus he included a couple Cloud Cars, which are my personal faves because they're finally getting made. Okay, Katie Cooks is my favorite, though. You just like her style overall. Yeah, I do. It's very cute. I love her 3PO. Her Chewbacca looks like a thumb drive. He does, but he's very (laughs) adorable. And if you click to enlarge it on the page... Her Millennium Falcon and X-Wing look like the Galactic Heroes ones because they're all stubby. They're kind of cute. I really like it, though. It's a very weird dimension. Yeah. And like we mentioned, Kevin Graham has a really nice piece of the Bounty Hunters. Got close-ups of them all in really vibrant art. I am definitely just so on top of this one like you wouldn't believe. One of the best representations of IG-88 I can recall seeing. Mm-hmm. Just really adding a lot of character in the glowing eyes. Very, very cool stuff. I'm going to be spending a lot of money on art this time around. I can tell already. And making yet another appearance at a celebration, I cannot tell you guys enough how much you need to get this on your celebration schedule. You need to see the One Man Star Wars trilogy. We've seen it twice now. It is awesome. It's high energy. He's just amazing. It's fun. It's laugh out loud fun. It's for all ages. And you're going to want to see it over and over. It's that good. It's a trap. Yeah, exactly. It's. He's so good. It's so amazing. And you have to see it. And if you do nothing else, you have to see it. And if you don't, I'll be mad at you and I'll cry. Yeah, it really has been astounding. And just the amount of energy. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it's I understand. about an hour, isn't it? It and is. I don't think the man ever stands still. I understand he's only putting on a limited number of engagements and I don't blame him because doing that twice a day has to be just hard. It's like, how many marathons do you want me to run today? We saw him up in Chicago at a very small theater and I felt really bad because after the show, he was literally soaked with sweat from (laughs) toes to the top of his head. I mean, it was gross, but it was awesome. So you got to see that. And I just, this is the best news ever to come out of celebration and I hope that it's all that we're going to see and this is going to make up for the travesty that was the Comic-Con Star Wars Spectacular last year because the rumor had been that those asshats from Attack of the Show were going to interview George Lucas again at Celebration and a little part of me died inside. Okay, a big part of me died inside. I wasn't going to lie there. I'm pretty sure Lucasfilm Limited Incorporated Trademarked and Registered Copyright learned their lesson. (laughs) 
from oh, the feedback. my God. People were, like, walking out of Comic-Con when you had those two idiots up there talking. People were walking out of Hall H. And keep in mind, this was televised to the masses and everybody. I just really didn't want people to think that was my Star Wars. I believe that Sansweet felt a great disturbance in the Force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in anguish and were suddenly silenced. <laughs> well... As we all know, George Lucas is going to be at Celebration 5. But the fantastic, unbelievably good news is that he's being interviewed by the one, the only, Jon Stewart from The Daily Show. And the Jon Stewart Show on MTV, which originated the Kevin Bacon game. Yeah, but now he's just from The Daily Show. Oh, he, he no longer wears the backwards baseball cap like he wore on The Jon Stewart Show in 1993? No, he probably has a mortgage and a couple of kids by now. No. <laughs> but it's Jon Stewart! Love John Stewart. He's awesome. He's funny. He's great. He's witty. He's he not, he's not, not afraid to yeah. call people out on the carpet. Including and, George Lucas yeah. when Lucas was on The Daily Show. If you haven't seen it, go to dailyshow.com. I think they've got all of their episodes up there. I mean, he, he the first question of Lucas is starting to break down the questions we all have about the prequels. Mm-hmm. Asking Big Papa George. And so I got to be there. If you have a question for George, and please don't make it something like, where's the card we signed or have have you seen our fan film? Or, hey, George, I noticed you wore red flannel this day, but then the next day you also wore red flannel. Was that the same shirt or do you have two red flannel shirts? However, a good question about George's attire would be, so, George, when you were on the set of Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, apart from being concerned about the script problems with that movie, were you wearing a Han shot fur shirt to antagonize us all? <laughs> That would be a decent question. But yes, now here's the thing. There's a lot of people talking because they all remember the Lucas line because, well, we never stopped talking about it. Well, and it is out there for posterity with Arnie with his little organizer grassroots event. Standing in the rain with my Sharpie and my guy holding yeah. my umbrella. And it, it was... You had a manservant. <laughs> I did. He was good, though. That was fun. I ran into him at C4 and he hugged me. Yeah, I know. Didn't he meet his parents? Yes, I met his parents. That was awesome. He's like, this is the Arnie I talk about. You're always the Arnie. I am the Arnie. But everybody's worried about that with Celebration 5. Is it going to be that situation again? Hey, but look at it this way. There may be tornadoes, because that's how the day started with or the Lucas line. Or hurricanes. Because sitting out there, I was out there around what? Like early, mid-afternoon. And it started with tornado warnings. In fact, I was on my phone and I had to ask the people next to me, um, what county are we? And they're like, oh, that's our county, honey. We're getting tornadoes. And then it moved on to rain and then freezing rain and snow. You're not going to get that in Florida. You might just get tornadoes. I think you might get a hurricane. It's inland. It's Orlando. But here's the thing that nobody in our forums has jumped to yet. And I guess I need to jump to conclusions, Matt. (laughs) But this is being referred to as the main event. Now, they're not going to have a main event that you can't see. And what somebody pointed out was at Celebration 3, Lucas only did 20-minute interviews. He did three of them, answered pretty much the same questions at each of them. Mm -hmm. But it cycled the audience. So there were three audiences. Here he's doing one one one-hour show. Now, here's what I expect to happen, but I don't think I'm happy with it. I bet dollars to donuts that they're going to have vid screens in other rooms. So if you don't get into the main event proper, that it's it's what they did with Harrison Ford when he did his Empire Strikes Back screening in Los Angeles. They had him in one theater, sold out too many tickets, and so you could go to a movie theater and watch it on a movie screen. But you're not in the room. You know, yeah, I, I'd like to see Jon Stewart interview George Lucas on television. I've seen it. Yeah. But if I'm at Celebration, I kind of want to see it in person. Well, I'd rather see we... little specks on the horizon in person than giant heads. You're such an armchair quarterback. 
But that's what they're going to do, I bet. Because how can you have something called the main event and then say only one-tenth of our populace gets to go to the main event? That's what happened last time. Although no one was in the last ones because everybody was scared off by the crazy people on the line. Can I share something with our listeners that we've never told them? Yeah. So at that celebration three line was the very first time I ever met Steve Sansweet. And Steve doesn't know this. I think I've mentioned it on the show a long time ago, but I was the angry wet man chasing him (laughs) through the hallway, asking him what to do because con security said the police was going to be called. And the police was going to be called. Yeah. That's how it was said to me verbatim. (laughs) And that we were all lining up there in bad weather and freezing and there was no organization and Steve, I didn't know Steve back then. Somebody had to point him out to me while we were hassling with con security. And I went, who, who, Steve, who? Well, that was the first time I also let you just like go all out geek. Well, the first time you felt comfortable, I think. Well, it always helps to have an entourage. Yeah. And I did have an entourage that I'm like telling one of my entourage, go talk to that man. He's apparently in charge. The little man with the beard. Go talk to him. And the, my entourage was like, I'm not approaching him. You do it. And I'm like, oh. And then I looked at my entourage and I saw their devotion quiver as they thought maybe he won't. So I chased Sansweet down in the hallway and was like, what are you going to do for us, sir? And of course, he's ignoring the heck out of me, giving me very didn't cursory he, Didn't answers. you actually get to talk to him and you said they're making us leave, they're going to call the police? And he said, well, I'd leave if I were you. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> Which is very rational advice from a wet stranger. I think it's very good advice. It was also actually the first time, but you didn't know him, that you met Chris Bauer from Kentucky. Yeah, we won't go into that. But uh, (laughs) It's okay. Everything's all good now. (laughs) But yeah, so I think that for this main event, they're going to have better control. So Steve isn't chased down by any wet, only in Orlando it will be sweat, not rain angry people in hallways one can hope but i don't know i definitely want to see it if the only way i can see it is on a video screen that'll be fine if i have to choose between a nice night's sleep in a hotel room and seeing lucas on a video screen or sitting out all night on uncomfortable cement and seeing lucas as a speck in person i feel like two-faced i need to flip a coin on that one Hmm. i'm thinking i'll take the night's sleep think i've already done this once if i'd never seen him i mean the whole reason i sat out last time all that was going through my mind is once in a lifetime opportunity that was like a brand on my forehead once in a lifetime opportunity all right well i had my once in a lifetime opportunity so if it involves sleeping on cement maybe somebody why don't you save the sleeping on cement because they still haven't announced any big guests for the autographs for the autographs oh, oh for autographs and A lot of people are speculating that there will be a Harrison Ford signing or two. I know I have no, I can't see that. No, here's the thing. I can see Mark Hamill. Absolutely. Here's here's the reason it won't be Harrison Ford. He doesn't like people. No, he doesn't, does he? You're not going to get somebody of that caliber if they don't like people. You might get somebody slumming it if every so often, I don't know if you've seen the movie Soap Dish, but there's that scene where Sally Field is kind of feeling bad about herself. And so they, her assistant's like, let's go to the mall. And so I was like, okay, let's go to the mall. And they go to the mall and you're, as you're watching the movie, spoiler alert coming up, you're watching the movie, you're like, what's the big deal? They're going to the mall and they're on the escalator. And then the assistant takes two steps away and goes, oh my God, it's so-and-so. And And then everybody rushes around and, you know. Oh, can you do that for me? (laughs) 
So I everybody's like getting her autograph and she's getting a huge ego boost. I'll do that for you at Celebration if you'd no, like. So, I want you to do it for me at the mall. But if you get an actor like that, maybe they'll slum it at a convention. But Harrison Ford, by and large, just wants to be left alone with Callista on the ranch. Yeah. And I think he actually has some semblance of a movie career. Kind he of. works. He works. He worked. He had a great movie career until the 90s. I guess you could also say maybe Hayden Christensen, but then I just saw he had a movie coming out. So Yes, he's having a wooden actor off with Paul, Paul Walker. Walker. Who can say things the most flat? My bet is Paul Walker will win because Hayden does have shattered glass. He was fantastic in that movie. I'm sorry. All right, he, let's bring it back around to celebration. Way better than Revenge of the Sith. But anyway, I guess you can go to our forums in our Star Wars celebration thread and postulize on who you think... The big autograph guest is going to be, or if there is going to be one. If I had to put money down, I would say Hayden or James Earl Jones. Well, it is Florida, but it's the summer, not the winter. I would split my bet on those two. Yeah, who wants a free Disney vacation? Who has the most kids right now? But you know what, you know what I'm saying, though? You're not going to find James Earl Jones in Florida in the summer. Hello? Is he like 90? He's going to be up in Minnesota fishing on the lake. I don't know if he fishes. I don't know either. He seems like he would. I could see him out there with those little khaki hats with lures on it. Well, celebration is going to be a great time. Please get your tickets now. Don't miss out of the Star Wars Action News Yak Face Party. You can follow the party planning by following us on Twitter, SW Action News, or liking us on Facebook. And you can go there and like us, and we'll post things about the party, maybe some little sneak peeks or just fun. Now, we will be driving to Florida to celebration. We'll be posting our route up soon, so if anybody else would like to join, we could have a caravan. Isn't there an Ewok movie about caravans? Caravan of Courage. So we can have our own caravan of courage. So we're going to have a caravan of courage, which the courage may just be who wants to ride with Arnie. And my music and my top down? Yeah. Of the car, not Yeah, oh yeah, he's not going topless because, you know, we don't live in Alabama. And neither are you because you're not like that woman riding off into warrior lady godiva is that who did that yeah okay thank you you're the smart one yeah sometimes well let's head into our store report and talk about the toys that we found this week yeah that was it as marjorie mentioned i kind of had a bad work week and so i only got to stores for the first time on friday night and it was kind of disappointing because Toys R Us had a deal going last week for a free Lego minifigure and free Lego pen if you bought $20 worth of Legos. And we went out there and I was going to buy a couple of the mini sets with a lot of the figures and got up there and they're like, we're out of the pen. Will you take this instead? And it was something from the Lego City collection. And it was, it looked like it was worth $2. Now I know those pens cost about $10 because they were on the Toys R Us shelves. They're trying to replace it with this. That's like, I'm sorry, sir. We do not have the filet mignon. Would you like the 69 cent McDonald's burger instead? <laughs> it was like, ah, uh, no. So that was a little disappointing until Marjorie found out that she could just buy them on Toys R Us. com. Just pick them up. It's like four bucks shipping for two of them. And you can actually get both of them because they have the X-Wing Luke pen with the Vader minifig. And then they also have the Vader pen with the X-Wing Luke minifig. That's what I did. I think we got perhaps one of the best store pictures ever from one of our listeners this week, though. <laughs> our listener Blizz found an anachronism on pegs. When was first day of Yarna's first day? Oh, gosh. Wasn't it two years ago at Comic-Con? Yeah, it was July of 08. 
When is Star Wars Celebration 5? August of 2010. So how could he find a (laughs) first day of issue Yarna with a sticker that says, win a trip to Star Wars Celebration 5? I would bet that that is not the one to pick to try to win a a trip to Celebration 5. I bet there's no tickets in there. No, I'm going to have to say there's not. Well, it was just hysterically funny. I laughed about that for quite a while. Yeah, I, you know, be careful which ones if they're really trying to win. Be careful which ones you pick up. Jedi Temple Archives is reporting if you've been procrastinating on the Force Unleashed battle packs, it's now biting you in the butt as they've gone up $5 a piece. Ouch. Yep, see, that's the bite. Yeah, I got bit in the butt. Some online news. First of all, Sandtroopers.com has a hands-on video of the Jabba Throne and Jabba that are going to be, I believe, Walmart exclusives coming out this fall. So if you're curious on how the sculpt is, how the scale is, how it measures up, you can check that out at Sandtroopers.com. Now, if you don't have enough Imperial shuttles... Lego is coming out with a gigantic Lego Imperial shuttle. It is, get this guys, 2,504 piece Lambda class Imperial shuttle. So if I had three, I'd have Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. And Omega Mu. It's going to be huge. Listen to this. It's 28 inches tall and 22 inches wide when the wings are fully deployed. You can put figures inside the cockpit, and you get five figures with it. You get Vader, a shuttle pilot, an officer, a stormtrooper, and Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi. Do we know what this is going to retail for, Bob? $260. So it's going to be another one of those, wow, I wish I had that Lego sets. Like that really cool Star Destroyer, the Millennium Falcon. How about the Death Star? the Death Star. Actually, you know what? The Death Star is a nifty concept. I never liked its look because it was kind of the cutaway Death Star look. I never liked it as much as I liked the others. But obviously, even though that Death Star is huge, you couldn't dock a 28-inch shuttle in it. That would have to be a freaking huge Lego Death Star. I'd love to see somebody build that custom Death Star. Oh, gosh. You could live in it. No. Now, I found a little bit of interesting news this week you can buy if you are a serious star wars collector don't you have to have a real lightsaber well yeah well you can actually get somewhat of a real lightsaber for less than two hundred dollars online so only a little bit more than an fx saber you can have a lightsaber looking hilt that will shoot a laser beam now let me tell you it lasers in the real world don't work like in star wars minor physics lesson lasers don't bump into each other they don't collide what lasers do and what this will do is blind anyone you shine it at burn their skin and cause cancer well um i'm gonna have to say don't buy it because this sounds really dangerous Oh, no, I dropped it. Oh, there goes his arm. It has the most burning capabilities of any portable laser in existence. Really, if you ask me, this sounds less like a lightsaber and more like a blaster. It does. A blaster that will give cancer to who you shoot. That would be a really slow acting evil genius plan, wouldn't it? That'd be like, again, feeding someone sausages and hope that their arteries clog 30 years from now. Send them like every year a big sausage basket. Maybe bacon of the month club. They put it in a lightsaber like hilt. It is by Wicked Lasers. It's called the Spider 3 Pro Arctic Laser. Please don't bring one to celebration. I beg of you. Please don't bring one to celebration. <laughs> please don't think it's a great costume thing. And please don't go, look what I can do and watch people as their flesh burns. 
Is this is like a really bad idea? Why is there even anything like this for sale? It's probably going to be cracked down. So if you must have one for your collection, I'd act fast because it's been decided these could be deadly if aimed at car drivers or plane pilots. And you have to read and agree to a class four laser hazard acknowledgement form. That says it, you'll probably become sterile and get cancer. And it causes immediate neurosurgical retinal damage. So it's not just like you're going to go blind. It's like, oh, went across your eye. You're really blind now. It's like a portable LASIK. No, so you should not use this for home LASIK surgery. But yeah, lightsabers are real. Lightsabers are deadly. I'm not going to buy one, despite the fact that I got to admit it's kind of cool. I would not let you buy one. It's only $200. That's so far less than any master replicas or FX collectibles items. No, no, no. And none of those shoot real lasers. No, no, no. And I could smite my enemies. No, no, no. Okay, mom. No, no, no. If you added an H, you'd be Santa. Ha, you're funny. Is it me, though, or is this like the next step in warfare? If you could just make this a little more powerful and what the guy who made it says is that just a few years ago, this would cost thousands and now it's less than $200. Well, thank God that someone made it cheaper then. Well, if all you do is continue the theory you know, of technology that it keeps getting cheaper and more powerful, I'd say we're five years away from real laser guns because right now this can burn the skin, but I'm guessing it's kind of like a microwave burn. You know, it's not a instant cauterization like a real lightsaber, but if you follow Moore's law of technology, having the price and doubling the power in five years, you could probably do amputations in a matter of seconds for less than $200. You know, you're really encouraging the evil genius as it listened to our podcast. Well, we have a link to that article. Let's move on to less dangerous topics and let's not encourage people to buy weapons. Over in Entertainment Earth, you can get the Muftok and Kabi minibus from I, Gentle Giant. I always thought it was Muftok and Cabe. Okay, whatever. You can call them whatever you want. They're the snowy guy and the rat guy from the cantina. The guy with the weird appendage on his chin and then the little burr, mouse. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah, the little mousey guy who actually looks like a really mean mouse. But they're coming out in February 2011. You can pre-order them now, both from Entertainment Earth. It's $129.99. Please use the link on our homepage. And speaking of pre-orders, I thought that it's a good time to review some items I pre-ordered a long time ago and just got in the mail. Brian's Toys, with their one-of-every-figure club, got in and shipped this past week the EU figures. So the figures I never got to see on the store shelves, I now have. I, of course, got the whole wave with one of every figure. I got one of every figure. But the ones I hadn't seen were first the Solo Twins, Jason and Jaina, and then the Phase 1 Dark Trooper. Jason Solo comes with a green lightsaber and a Yuzen Vong Amphistaff. And he's wrapped in some Yuzen Vong tendrils. And honestly, I gotta say, the figure looks a lot like the concept art. You know, a lot of these figures, like in the comic packs and things, the figures don't always look like the art. This one looks like the art. Kinda. They made them all, like, romance novel-y on the art. On this art. On the front of the yes, card. Yes, like he's going to touch somebody's supple breasts or something. He's gonna rip the bodice. Yes. But then he kind of looks old and haggard. Oh, he can communicate with animals. Not anymore, because he's dead. He's dead? Was he the bad one? Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Sorry. It's happened a few years ago, so at this point, hey, Chewbacca dies in one of the books, too. Chewbacca's dead? Yeah. I'm kidding, I know. So we got Jaina Solo with her pink lightsaber, because she's a girl. Of course, because girls have to have pink things. I think it's supposed to be purple, but it's obviously pink. 
It is pink. It kind of looks like her. I'm surprised that she didn't have more of an outstanding outfit. And same with Jason. Because they are the children of Han and Leia. But they're also Jedi. Yeah. But you really think in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, they change these outfits. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I think they're both really cool figures. I'm shocked at how quickly they've sold, but given that they're Toys R Us exclusives and they're collector-oriented figures, it does make sense. Then we've got the Dark Trooper Phase 1. That's kind of creepy, and I can't figure out what it looks like. Well, it kind of looks like something out of the Terminator. Is that what it is, and that's why it's kind of scary? Especially since he has a sword for an arm. Oh, he does. It's actually attached to his arm, but it's very Robert Patrick T2. Yeah, that's true. I just, then the body is very different. I like this guy and I really hope that I see more of him on store shelves because I'd I'd like an army of dark troopers. Mm. So that finishes off that wave for me. I think they were a really good wave. Shame that they are so hard to find. If you still haven't found them, even if you aren't a member of Brian's Toys, one of every figure club, he does have these available now for regular ordering on his website. And also, if you're worried about future figures, if you sign up for the one of each figure club now the waves you will get is the vintage style wave one with the boba fett the cloud car pilot dengar and so on and the 2010 clone wars wave four with grievous aura singh and pre vizsla and remember when checking out at brian's toys please be sure to mention that you heard about them from star wars action news brian's toys also has in stock ready for shipping the star tours boarding party figure set now, I'd like to send a big thank you to Madam Force, Kristen, because she sent us one, and it's awesome. And I want to thank her so much for that. I think it's so nice of you to send that to us. What I didn't realize until getting it was that it's a limited edition set. They're only making 15,000 of them. Wow. That's less than they made of the Lava Reflection Vader. Yeah. The figures, you get a Kank, the Ewok. You get one of the Grand Aliens. Specifically, you get Reese with his camera that I couldn't figure out was a camera for a while until I realized that's what a... That's an old-timey camera. But no, he has three eyes. It's got three oh, lenses for three eyes. I was looking at the eyes. flash. It's like the old-timey flash. Yeah. I, at first, I thought it was a boombox, if you recall, back at Toy Fair. It kind of looks yeah. like a boombox. My favorite figure in this entire set is Teak. Of course. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the Ewok movies, even though we're now mentioning them twice in this one podcast, which is just coincidence. But really, they did an astounding job on the Teak sculpt. They don't do this good of a job on figures people really want, <laughs> but on Teak, which is such it's a It's actually figure. really good. Yeah, he looks perfect. He is the definitive teak. They never need to make another teak because they did perfectly on this teak. The Imperial officer reminds me of a Domino's pizza delivery person. Yeah. With the red and blue. I realize that's what they wear in Star Tours. It's an unfortunate costume. But isn't that the Domino's pizza after they got rid of the baby blue and white? I don't know. I thought they were kind of red and blue. Maybe it's Pizza Hut. I don't know, but it is a kind of unfortunate costume. And then you get a repacked Chewbacca because you got to have a hero. Hasbro tells us kids love heroes. So, you know, maybe on eBay, we're going to find a lot of Reese Teaks. 
But it's really sweet because he goes back to Endor frequently to see his Ewok friends. I don't recall that in any of the novels. That's what it says, though. It must be one of the cutscenes. Yes. Well, I goes- know I haven't read some of those books where Chewbacca is just away because the authors didn't want to write for a character who can't speak. And maybe on one of those times he was away, he was visiting his Ewok honor family. That could be. Still, it is a really cool set. And if you haven't gone, we are going to the Star Tours Final Voyage at Celebration 5. If you haven't gotten your tickets, those are still available and you can go and you get full access to Disney and you can buy yourself one of these limited edition figure packs. And again, thank you, Kristen. You are awesome. And thank you for the nice note. Yes. I also got one other thing in the mail this week. Last week, we were talking about the Vader Project, and I forgot to mention that they have a catalog available for order. It's the auction product catalog you can order it right at the vaderproject.com it's 40 dollars, but man you know it's pretty cool here's the thing i'm a collector if you haven't figured this out (laughs) is that what you are i thought you were a hoarder (laughs) i would like to collect every single one of those vader project helmets i would like to have them all of course i can't even have one of them given their starting bid price But I I like to have every single one of them. But I've mentioned before there are times when having a picture of the item is at least a substitute for having the item. This catalog has such detailed photographs of every helmet in the auction. And it's from every angle. At Celebration 4, I tried to take this many photographs of the Vader Project. And if you've seen our Celebration 4 photo gallery, you'll notice I tried to take every angle of every helmet. And I was running low on batteries and... And I was running low on time. Marjorie was like, we have to go to whatever the next thing we were. I think we were actually on a panel and I had to get to it and I couldn't take every photo. And this book has all of them. It's got a listing of the artist. It's got the estimated price. So if you want to know how much one would go for, you can see that. One of my favorites is a green one where Vader's eyes are popping out. He looks a little bit like he's in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> and that's by David S. Cries, and it's expected to sell for three to $5,000. Holy crap. Now, I'm not going to be able to photograph this book because I don't want to break the spine. This book itself is a wonderful collectible. But there are pictures at thevaderproject.com on their order page. And you can take a look at the samples and see what I'm talking about. If you're listening to the Enhanced Podcast, our podcast enhancer, Barrent, has, of course, put a picture there for you to see what I'm talking about. And this is really cool. And if you can't own every helmet, you can own this book and... It helps Who me can sleep. own every helmet? I don't, even Sansweet can't. I know that Sansweet got outbid on some of the custom Mighty Mugs that sold at auction for mm-hmm. charity last year. So no one can own everything. Lucas could if he wanted to. Well, yeah, because he's George Lucas. He could just say, I want that. Yeah. So check that out, thevaderproject.com. Now, while you're going to our page on Facebook, you need to head over. StarWars.com actually has an official page now on Facebook. You can go over there and like them and see what kind of cool stuff they post. Now, while you're there, also take a trip over to the SW Action News page. Marjorie's really become tweet happy lately. I have. I really was. It's called work avoidance. I'm not going to lie. She has been posting all types of collecting news and store reports and celebration news. So check it out. StarWars.com has just launched. So I don't know if they're going to be doing cool things with it. But at the very least, it's a great way to keep up with their headlines. Yeah. But despite all of that news this week, (laughs) that's not the biggest news this week. It's not. There's this thing called E. E. 
Not not the channel. Not the channel. No. No, that's E. Oh. Because it has an exclamation point. Oh. I was not aware. It was so forceful. E3 with a bunch of new Star Wars games and technological innovations. Marjorie, I know you've been tweeting about this. I have. The biggest news is the Natal is now the Connect with a K. Neither name connects with me. They didn't show any footage from the games. I didn't see anyway, but I just thought it was funny. It was like a great excuse to make people look like an ass up there doing the little things because they just look like idiots. Well, isn't that what the Wii does too? Yeah, but at least with the Wii, you have a Wiimote. But you, a lot of people go through the motions. Yeah. You see them. Oh, yeah. You play tennis like you're on the tennis court. And look like an ass doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, this is just the next step in the ass solution of this. But I haven't followed every innovation. I'm a little obsessed with next week's iPhone coming out, so I was focused on that. So joining us this week, Nathan P. Butler, who has followed every twist and turn of the E3 announcements. And he's here to talk about how this will affect you as a Star Wars collector. Hi, Nathan. Hey, just call me the not-so-angry video game nerd here. (laughs) Depends on the day, I guess. So what are some of the big things coming out of E3 that Star Wars collectors and specifically Star Wars gamers need to be looking into? All right. Well, which you want to start with? You want to start with the games, the Star Wars games specifically, or the technological innovations and how that might impact the Star Wars gamers? Because it's really almost a two-track way that E3 affects us this year. Why don't we start with the games that we already know about and the new information for those and then move on to the totally new things that were announced. Okay. We got a few. Uh, There's a lot of Star Wars games on the horizon, a couple of MMOs, and then, of course, we have just the regular console games. The thing we know the least about at this point, or one of the two we know the least about, is the new LEGO Star Wars game. We had LEGO Star Wars that originally covered the prequels. Then we had LEGO Star Wars 2, the original trilogy, covering the classics. And then, of course, we had the complete saga, which is now a misnomer, that covered the six films. And now we have LEGO Star Wars 2, or sorry, LEGO Star Wars 3, The Clone Wars, coming out uh, in 2011. We initially were told it was coming out this fall. They have bumped it back, and they put out a premiere trailer for it. Basically, what we know about this game so far is it's going to have single-player and multiplayer components, cooperative, possibly competitive. Um, There's no set release date other than just 2011. And what we're finding is the game's going to be kind of similar to the previous ones, as you would expect. It's going to have regular levels, vehicle levels, uh, regular levels that let you use vehicles that you build throughout the levels. Uh, Some new things are coming, though. We have uh, split-screen cooperative play, as opposed to running around on the same screen, which is sometimes a little bit difficult. We have uh, some new abilities, like you can throw your lightsaber now, which you couldn't do before, which adds a little bit of dynamic to the Jedi combat when you're playing with Jedi characters. Now, the trailer is referring to this as new adventures, but basically what they're meaning is new adventures to Lego Star Wars, because basically you're getting the episodes redone in some cases in Lego format, just like the movies were redone in Lego format for the other ones to give it a little bit of humor. Same thing here, at least it appears to be, because in the trailer you can clearly see the malevolence and Grievous's pet gore in the trailer. We know it's coming out for PS3, Xbox 360, Wii, PSP, DS, PC, pretty much all the current consoles except for the PS2, which Sony is still sort of pushing. Um, No releases mentioned for that yet, or for Mac. Amazon is already taking pre-orders that show about a $30 price tag for the portable versions and the PC version. While it runs about 50 before Amazon discounts, about 47. 
after discounts for the PS3, Xbox 360, and Wii. So that's coming, and we I'd really like, don't know a lot. And I'd like to remind our listeners, we're going to have links to all of these on Amazon from the Star Wars Action News homepage, and please, when pre-ordering, use the links on our homepage. Exactly, exactly. Uh, show some love, people. If you're going to still stick, to, I guess, sort of to the, the kiddie side of things, I mean, I know adults play Lego Star Wars, I've played Lego Star Wars. I love it. It's I think it's one of the most creative and fun games ever created, and I haven't played the Lego Indie, but the Lego Batman is... I think, I hate to say it, but almost better than the Lego Star Wars. Well, don't we have, isn't Lego Harry Potter coming out sometime around now, too? I mean, it's it's the next of the Lego franchise. Yeah, the Lego Harry Potter game comes out end of June. Ah, great. I should know, because that's what my girlfriend calls me all the time just to annoy me. You do um, kind of look like him. Yeah, I, I, know, I know. Wait wait till you see pictures of me with my old glasses. <laughs> I mean, it's a fun franchise. I probably won't be picking up the third one just because... Complete saga sort of burned me out on it, but it's it's looking like it's just going to take everything up a notch, you know, which is nice. Every time they do it, they try to innovate it as opposed to just reusing the same formula. Let's see. Now, if you're going for things that are still somewhat geared toward younger audiences, we have the Clone Wars Adventures MMO, which is really kind of being lost in this huge avalanche of hype for the Old Republic. But Sony, uh, the, the same people who have been behind Star Wars Galaxies, are taking their free realms concept and bringing it to Star Wars with what's called Clone Wars Adventures. And it, the trailer premiered online actually a couple of weeks before E3, but the real push for it began at E3. The basic gist of this is you're either a Jedi or clone trooper, so you're one of the two major types of characters that we see in the Clone Wars, and you've got this free-roaming world that basically consists of hubs. So say you want to do some starfighter racing or starfighter battles or something like that, you'll go to a hub for that and then take off in a ship. Or if you want to do uh, physical training or mind games, little mini games, you go to a hub, pick whatever game you want to do, and go into that target shooting, whatever. Now, it is going to be free to play, but it's one of those things where what you're free to play is a much more limited version than what you could do if you had a membership. So maybe there's certain levels of starfighter combat you could do, but only up to a certain point, and then after that, if you're a paid member, you get to do a little bit more. It's also going to be driven by microtransactions. So let's say you want to have a purple lightsaber. That's fine. But chances are that might be something you pay a little bit extra for and pick it up that way. Now that microtransaction model that we're seeing a lot in games online right now. Uh, it's got Facebook-esque components, like walls you can post on. You can eventually get to a point where you buy something. You can gift items to other people. I mean, it basically takes social networking meets MMO uh, blend them together a little bit more seamlessly, but less complex than something like, say, a World of Warcraft or even the Old Republic. That's basically what you're going to be getting with this. But it's free to play unless you want to go to those higher levels. And they have not announced a pricing scheme yet. So what we know for sure is there will be stuff that you'll wind up spending money on, but we don't know quite yet what that will be. It's just sort of a generalized thing. Even the people behind it are saying now they don't have a scheme set up. It's not that they haven't announced it. They literally haven't come up with all the details yet on their end. So if they say it's more for kids, how are they going to limit this? I mean, you got to figure they're going to limit the amount of communication. You say there's going to be a wall that can be posted on, but doesn't it just take, you know, one of those people like I find when I'm playing Street Fighter on Xbox Live to spoil everything? I think it's just a matter of time before we get to catch a predator of the Clone Wars adventures. Pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, I see you brought uh, protection for your lightsaber there. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Would you like some iced tea? I made cookies. 
I mean, the reason that I don't play online gaming most of the time is I'm tired of of the punks. I mean, you go on and you try to just play a nice, fun multiplayer game of something like, say, Uncharted 2, and you run into a lot of, of bigoted, you know, preteens out there spouting off uh, obscenities, spouting off uh, racial epithets and that sort of thing, just for the heck of it, you know, because of the anonymity of online play. It's, it's, a, it's a cesspool most of the time. My hope is that with this, they'll be able to keep it more family-oriented, and it is one of those things where it seems at least that it's not nearly as robust as something we'll see with like a, a the Old Republic or something like that. So you're not going to have as many opportunities to be jerks or pedophiles or anything else as the case may be. Uh, we'll just have to see how it winds up panning out. But as always, there's that the caveat that, you know what, if you're a parent, you need to know what your kids are playing. So if you're going to let them play it, know what you're getting into. Know this is an online world where people can interact. This isn't just the kids sitting in front of a Wii and playing against the CPU all the time. But we'll see. Now, from an adult perspective, does this hold a lot of gameplay value? Is this something that adults are going to want to play, especially Star Wars fans who want to play all of the Star Wars games? You know, if you had asked me that question a couple of years ago, I would have said probably not. But looking at the popularity of things like iPhone games, uh, it, it seems that there is a trend where more casual gamers are more into just the quick bursts of gameplay. Give me something I can play for five minutes, ten minutes, and then put down and not have to invest my entire day in. That, I think, is what you're going to get with this. A lot of small things. We refer to them usually as mini-games, like you would see on the Wii, just the quick little things. It's essentially an online world where you can't interact as much as you want by running around and talking to people, kind of like, say, PlayStation Home. But when it comes down to the actual gameplay itself, when you're actually playing the events, they seem to be little sort of bite-sized nuggets. Very uh, quick, very get in, get out. Uh, which, which I think, I'm hoping, will make this something that's sort of a gateway drug, as the saying might go. That somebody who might be interested in, say, the Old Republic may be put off by the fact that it is so in-depth. Maybe they'll dip their feet in to MMO stuff through this. In fact, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not a big MMO guy because I want my games to have a story that has a beginning, middle, and end, and that's it. I don't want to have to invest countless hours to keep up with the Joneses of the Star Wars universe, so to speak. Um, this is something, though, that because it's free to play, free to get into, I'll do that. I'll interact with people, and if I get to a point where I feel as though type games are something I can get into, that's when I wind up picking up The Old Republic. The Old Republic, for me, is not a guaranteed purchase at this point because I'm so not an MMO type of guy. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, and I want to talk about The Old Republic next. Is I was into Star Wars Galaxies, or as I like to call it, Star Wars The Spreadsheet, the interactive <laughs> spreadsheet, and really, I played it for the Star Wars, but never had any fun with it. And I played it probably 300, 400 hours, I'm talking. I'm not just talking a little get bit. And then when I finally realized this isn't fun, I, I gave it up right around the time I started a podcast. I wondered about The Old Republic because we got a second trailer. It's every bit as awesome as the first, which was pounded into my head something like out of a clockwork orange at last year's San Diego Comic-Con. But, you know, th these would be great trailers if it was a movie, as Star Wars was kind of going the Marvel route into making teen and adult-oriented animation for DVD or something. But this is supposed to be a freaking game. So what what exactly 
are these trailers trying to sell me other than, oh, that trailer looks cool, but isn't it going to be, you know, when I start up the game, I have to go kill Womp Rats to level up and everything, just like every other gig? Basically, what they're trying to sell you on is the setting. And we should keep in mind that while these trailers, which are awesome, of course, while these trailers that look great uh, were being used to promote BioWare's The Old Republic MMO, these were not created by BioWare. These were concepts that Lucasfilm and BioWare came up with, but it was Blur Studio who was putting this together. So this is a, a, a contracted out thing to put these together. Do not expect necessarily the cut scenes in the game to necessarily look like this. They may, but don't expect them to necessarily look like this with this being a different company behind it. They're the promotional side of things here. But game but trailers notoriously look utterly fantastic and have things that you may not necessarily see in the game. I mean, there's been many times, like at Comic-Con or wherever, that you've just seen a game trailer, and you're like, holy crap, that looks so awesome. And then you get the game, you're like, this sucks. Well, I never trust a trailer that doesn't no. show me gameplay. Because this would be a great movie to sit back and watch for maybe an hour, hour and a half, but is it going to be fun? And that's the big thing with games, is you can have the best story in the world, but if you have bad game mechanics... It's not going to be fun. Well, I guess the plus side of this is that the game mechanics that we have seen play very similarly to BioWare's previous extremely successful Star Wars game, which was Knights of the Old Republic. And then, of course, we had Obsidian doing Knights of the Old Republic 2. What you have here basically is a hybrid where you take the gameplay mechanics in many respects, not all, but take the gameplay mechanics in many senses from the Knights of the Old Republic games, apply them to an MMO type of setting, and you get this. And the, the best way I could put it into context is to compare it to something like a World of Warcraft, which I'm not heavily familiar with. But you look at World of Warcraft, and you have plenty of things you can do in the world. You can change your character, tweak your character, upgrade, that sort of thing. You can purchase little bits and pieces. And there are places where you can go to get into uh, conflict, into battles, to fight against other characters. You can do that in the Old Republic through what's referred to as, I believe it was called, it's not called Battlegrounds. It's just there, there's, there are certain areas where you're allowed to go to do these player versus player type battles. It's not just necessarily anywhere. Uh, one of them being Alderaan, which is what the Hope, the newly released Hope trailer was showing, was the setting of the battles uh, on Alderaan long, long before it ever becomes the pacifist planet. But what they're trying to do here is create something where there is a storyline to a degree, and your characters have some level of progression through a storyline, but much of the story is built around the setting of it. So what they're trying to do is they're selling you on the setting. This is set about 400 – well, I guess more like 300 years after the last incarnation of this era, which would have been the Knights of the Old Republic video games. You have Tales of the Jedi, the Knights of the Old Republic comics, the Knights of the Old Republic video games. Give it a little bit. Then you've got this, and then after this you still have a gap of about a couple thousand years, give or take, before you start getting into much with the new Sith, the Bane era, and the people leading up to Bane. So what you basically have is just this heavy, heavy setting. This There is the Republic, there is the Sith Empire that has been boiling in the background that has now reemerged. The galaxy is effectively split by the Treaty of Coruscant. You've got Imperial territory, in this case Sith Imperial territory. You've got Republic territory. There was a betrayal that's happening now. A war is re-erupting between the two, and you're tossed in the middle as whoever your characters are. And it seems as though what they're aiming for is to do like they do with World of Warcraft, which is every now and then put out a new expansion to it 
And each time there's a new expansion, in theory, it, it updates the world. Like if you have some new expansion that says that, okay, as of now, Alderaan has been devastated, then all of a sudden in the game, if you're trying to travel to Alderaan, the landscape has been changed because, well, that's the way the story is progressing in that world. Uh, I, I would definitely say that World of Warcraft is where to look at as a, a, a definite example of how to expect this to be unveiled or, or to roll out, uh, at least from everything that I'm hearing. And as far as the gameplay, think as close to Knights of the Old Republic as you can get and yet still have it make sense to be an, an MMO. But this is something that doesn't necessarily have a definite beginning, middle, end. There are story points that you're going to hit, but don't think in terms of, uh, I beat the game. This isn't like a, a regular RPG game. It's because there is a level of it being open-ended. And I got to ask from the new trailer, why are there clone troopers 300 years before clone troopers? Well, they're not clone troopers. They're just Republic troopers. They're members of Havoc Squad in this case. What you have in that trailer basically is the idea of the Republic troops going up against the Sith and their troops. Actually, the Sith in that trailer is the same guy from the previous one, the Deceived trailer, though without his mask on. That's Darth Malgus, who's going to be appearing as a focal character in the Deceived, uh, the Old Republic novel that comes out later this year. But yeah, it's it's Havoc Squad, Jedi, Sith is basically what you're seeing in that trailer. And it does look very modern in that sense. But I guess that's what they're trying to go for, because if you look back at this era, the Tales of the Jedi stuff looked very archaic. I mean, you had, you had very, uh, I guess, the, the Star Wars version of like a medieval design scheme. But then very shortly thereafter that, you got the Knights of the Old Republic comics and, and games, and those looked just like a slightly less advanced version of what we see in the classic trilogy and in the prequels. And that's kind of what you've got here. You've got an aesthetic that's very much like what we've seen before, so it feels familiar yet thousands of years before. And I'm sure there's going to be debate and griping about that in the fan community. There always is, but uh, I think they're just going for something that's meant to feel familiar. I mean, you put together an MMO when the Clone Wars is on TV and the prequels are the most recent movies that have been out there, and, and you really almost need to have some type of trooper character to it. So the argument is that what we're seeing here is sort of a precursor to those type of things coming later on. As for anything else that's been mentioned about uh, the Old Republic, thanks to E3, we apparently may have some new Jedi abilities because apparently the Jedi in the trailer is able to take a lightsaber stab to the hand and absorb it as opposed to having her hand impaled, uh, which could be a variant on a Force ability we've seen before. could be something new. It depends on how they play it out or if that will play into the game. We know that all characters will get their own ships as their sort of their home base and their way to travel, which is pretty cool. You won't have to do anything special to get a ship. You'll just start with one. And we are finding now that apparently, and I guess this sort of makes sense, certain classes that you can play as, like the trooper or whatever, certain classes will be restricted to certain alien species. So we have what I guess either could be looked at as a logical way of constraining classes to what makes sense, or you could look at it as the Old Republic's uh, way of discriminating against certain species. So I really, these games are just kind of Widowmakers, is what you're saying. Pretty much. If you've seen the South Park, where they're all playing, I guess yes. it's Warcraft. They're playing City. World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is that for the Star Wars gamer. This is something that is apparently going to be so far beyond what we would have expected out of Star Wars Galaxies as to pretty much render that idea sort of preschool. It's easy to lose like four real days in because you don't realize that 
the sun's been setting and rising in a regular pattern because you're obsessed with your little characters. I just can't get into these online games that way. And maybe I'm just not goal-driven enough in a video game to do this, but it sounds like it's just a whole different flavor of World of Warcraft where you can be something more, maybe more familiar it's for the people who don't like wizards and orcs and ren fairs and all that junk. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's definitely going for that same idea of, of get into it and, and become part of the world, which, you know, if you're that type of gamer, it's going to be great. That's again, that's part of why I'm not really into these type of games. You know, I don't have that many massive amount of hours every day to keep up with the game, to really heavily get into it. And it, it's, it's just not something that's aimed, I guess, at the type of audience who has a job, maybe. Yeah, as I was going to say, who works? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you could drive yourself nuts if you really got into this, trying to get all these different classes and levels and achievements. And with a full-time job and say you had a family, I mean, you could be end up sitting in your chair with a chin-length beard or waist-length beard, I guess. And, and looking like Cartman in that South Park. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of uh, if you saw the Sony press conference when they brought out Kevin Butler, the guy that does their commercials, the uh, It Only Does Everything commercials, who's hilarious. Uh, he kind of gave this rousing Braveheart-type speech about how uh, you shouldn't care about which console uh, is better. You should mo- you should be just be, be getting into the idea of gaming and such. Uh, uh, I think his, his line was, if you get a good girlfriend and somebody else gets a good girlfriend, who wins? Everybody. He made... The comment in there about how gaming is spending, I forget how many hours he said, gaming is spending X amount of hours trying to get a trophy that isn't real, (laughs) yet is. And that's a perfect example of what we're seeing with this. But it's it's the type of game that a lot of people will get into, and you'll actually find that there are people who won't get into console games who will get into MMOs because – they're more immersive. They can play them on the PC. They don't, may not have a console. Or they prefer PC gaming for it. My, my wonder is, boy, you're going to – just like with World of Warcraft and Sims, you're going to have to make sure that those uh, work computers are monitored carefully or you're going to be losing a lot of, of man hours uh, to games like this uh, on work computers. And it's become something of a, of a joke now uh, that when E3 came around and they started streaming it live – uh, they were going to try to monitor, if they could, how many work hours were lost because of E3 every year. It's just, it's it's a whole different gaming environment, I guess, now when you start thinking of MMOs versus regular console games. And this is, as far as we know, just a PC game now. Despite the fact that the Xbox 360 and definitely the PlayStation are powerful enough to run something like this, it, it is going to be just a PC-type game because the interface is really necessary. So if you're a console gamer, don't expect to be sitting in front of your TV for a long time getting into this stuff. You are going to be, at this point, limited to just PC. They're not even announced a Mac version of this yet, as far as I know. And, you know, Nathan, I used to be a huge gamer, but it was in the 90s when PC games were kind of at their zenith. I love PC games back then, Command & Conquer. Wing Commander, all the various sequels. I mean, we got Doom, Quake, all of the multiplayer. But with the PlayStation 2 and Xbox 360 and beyond with their online world, it seemed to kind of take the dominance away from the PCs. I remember I used to go into GameStop and it would be mostly PC games with some little dirty ghetto for the N64. So 
if this is just coming out for the PC market, how much of a gamer market is there still for the PC? Didn't World of Warcraft pretty much absorb it? I remember I'd always be talking to people and be like, what graphics card did you get this week? Great. It's outdated next week. And always beefing up our gaming computers like their cars. I don't see those people anymore. Have I become more secluded from them? Do they still exist? Or has PC gaming kind of died at the moment? Well, it still exists. To a degree, uh, if you ever watch anything on, say, GameTrailers.com, I love watching stuff over at Game Trailers. watch things like Bonus Round and uh, Pack Attack. And there's an analyst from Webbush named Michael Pachter, who's sort of one of the biggest analysts in the gaming industry. And he makes no bones about the fact that the PC gaming market has shrunk immensely outside of things like World of Warcraft. And it's certainly consoles right now that are dominating. And most of his analysis is based around that. He gets a lot of flack for it. I think that based on some of the stuff that he said about the games that are coming up, I think even analysts like a Michael Pachter are out there with this idea that maybe, just maybe, The Old Republic may be one of those games that finally pushes another resurgence of people who are doing console gaming into PC gaming. I can't tell you how many people, and this included me until I realized how open-ended it was and the fact that I probably would, would be, it'd be a toss-up whether I actually play the game. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be buying new PCs just to play the old republic it is effectively a killer app when it comes to that just like there's a lot of people who like me are going to be out there buying xbox 360s eventually by the time that the star wars connect game arrives um there you just reach a point where there's something that they think actually could grab attention and pc gaming outside of something like crisis which a lot of people didn't have computers powerful enough to run really anyway uh, there needs to be something that pushes the pc back into people's mindsets when they're thinking about gaming and the old republic may be it but you're right right now it, it's definitely a much smaller percentage of the gaming market than it ever has been before predominantly thanks to the online gaming once we got to say xbox ps2 and and now now into the 360 and the and the uh, ps3 heck you can do online gaming with the psp and some handhelds now all right, you mentioned the Connect. We'll get there in just a second. Let's talk for a minute about the Force Unleashed 2, which is, I think, the last known quantity that was talked about at E3. We see a new trailer for that. You're a big EU continuity guy. What do you feel about that trailer? I was I was dubious about the storyline that we know of so far, and this is hopefully not a spoiler for anybody because it's been everywhere. It's on the website uh, for the game. It's been in the Game Pro interview. It's been in any LucasArts interviews they've talked about so far. Uh, Galen Merrick, a.k.a. Starkiller, is presumed dead at the end of the last game if you're following the, the correct canonical ending or if you're following the book and such. The idea here is that for whatever reason, Vader has decided to clone Starkiller. And what we see on the website at this point is these these this sort of a flash thing where Starkiller, the clone of Starkiller, is having these visions. One of them, Subject 1157, is having these visions of Starkiller's past or these memories emerging that probably shouldn't be. And presumably that's the clone that we see in this, this new trailer who is being told, well, your usefulness is at an end. And then Vader stalks off and for some reason lets the stormtroopers be the one to kill him as if they could shoot anything even in an enclosed room. So we see him basically battle his way out of his particular chamber on Kamino, uh, fighting his way through the enemies. We get the voiceover suggesting that uh, he's, he's he, one of his driving forces is trying to reconnect with Juno Eclipse, uh, the sort of love interest from the first game, which, of course, is another thing that's in all the uh, the literature about the game at this point. I think it was decent. 
I think it did a really good job of setting the mood. I think it was unusual because it didn't feel like a trailer so much as it felt like a cinematic that almost that could be the opening cinematic of the game. And it did cause a lot of people's eyebrows to perk up at the very end of the trailer, seeing another of the clones opening his or its eye that might make you think that in this game you might find Starkiller facing Starkiller in a sense. Uh, they, they did announce more than just that when it came to uh, the Force Unleashed 2 recently, but as far as the trailer goes, it was it was just kind of a glimpse into the action. Throw us into it and get people psyched. It's it's just like the Hope trailer, though I think this did its job possibly better because the Hope trailer, you know, you know it's an, an MMO for the old Republic, and as cool as it may be that sort of that mini movie. That's not necessarily what you're going to be doing in the game or what characters you're going to necessarily be running into. And in this case, you know, we immediately had that connection. Ah, that's the character I'm going to be playing as fighting all these things. What type of moves am I going to see the character do? I think this definitely struck a chord with the, the potential gamers of this game very solidly. I was a little disappointed in the first one. Do you think the second is more of the same or do you think there's actually going to be some innovation there? As far as the game goes, there actually is some innovation. It's coming out for the – I mean there's a lot of differences that's coming out for. LucasArts is handling the PS3 and Xbox 360 versions, and they have specifically pointed out that you're going to have much more control over the targeting, which is complaints before. They are adding some new moves. You got something like Mind Trick, where at a low level, Mind Trick would cause an enemy to start attacking his comrades. Higher level, it would cause an enemy to essentially jump to their doom. Uh, or jump into something that would kill them, and on the absolute highest level, something that would allow that character to essentially be under your control, um, be building up force energy, and essentially become a force explosion suicide bomber. Uh, so they're adding new things like that. You've got new combat mechanics with two lightsabers and some of the th stuff you'll be able to do with that. The force grip is now going to let you do things that before you could only do in those quick-time button-mashing events. Basically, what you got in the last game with the Force Grip, for example, was you were able to grab something and just throw it. You could even grab a TIE Fighter and throw it. But you could only grab it and throw it. You couldn't crush anything. If you're going to crush it, it was in those quick-time-style events where you had to press, you know, triangle here, square here, whatever. And in this case, what you get is the ability, apparently, to crush things when you grab them. So it, it builds in that mechanic. They've really just refined that level of gameplay. Uh, we know it's coming for the PC from, I believe it's Asper, is how you said, A-S-P-Y-R, who usually ports games over to Macs. They're handling the PC port, it would seem, and we would assume the PC is going to be pretty similar to those. We don't know much about the Nintendo DS version at this point and whether they've refined anything from that in terms of the stylus-based gameplay. I actually have the greatest hope as far as improvements go when it comes to the Wii version, because you may recall the Wii and PS2 and PSP versions of the first game were all done by Chrome Studios, who then did... Lightsaber duels, which didn't get much of a positive reception, and they did Republic Heroes, a.k.a. Jump to Your Doom, which <laughs> was pretty much universally panned by everybody. Um, I love the story of Republic Heroes. I'm replaying it on the PSP right now, but you're going to die. You're going to jump to your doom at least probably 60% of the time. Chrome Studios is no longer doing the Wii version of this game, if they ever were. There was a lot of rumor that, well, they're just going to bring back the same teams again. There's no PSP version announced yet, though supposedly, uh, and I haven't found the tweet to show this, LucasArts may have tweeted that there was going to be, but so far there's nothing about a PSP version or a PS2 version, which means that the whoever's doing the Wii version would be able to focus just on that. And they've gotten a company called Red Fly, 
which is known for their Wii games at this point, including the Wii version that was actually pretty decent of the Ghostbusters video game. They're the ones behind the Force Unleashed this time, and it's, among other things, four-player multiplayer. When the rumor is the next-gen consoles, they've dropped the multiplayer quietly. There's, there's no confirmation, but that's what it seems like it is right now. So I'm actually hoping that the Wii version is going to be a step above. The controls were incredible on the original as far as immersiveness for any Star Wars game up to that point, even a step above what we saw in Lightsaber Duels, even though that came out later. But with Red Fly doing it, hopefully we'll have the same type of immersive controls and yet what looks like a more finished product. I always said that the, the Wii version, the PSP version, the PS2 version of the first game really felt unfinished. It was almost like we were seeing the drywall before uh, anything was actually put on it to make it look like a home, so to speak. Um, but, but yeah, there, there are definitely innovations beyond just what we saw before. Uh, there's also the gameplay mechanic. If you've ever played God of War, then you know in the God of War games you can build up uh, energy and release it in this huge you know, burst of power that makes you a stronger character for a very short time called Rage of the Gods or Rage of the Titans, Rage of Sparta, depending on which game it is. There's going to be a Star Wars variant of that called Force Fury at this point, which is kind of interesting. And we've been told that you also will be able to use your lightsaber more like a lightsaber. The joke is always that in video games, a lightsaber is more like a light club. Like, it may look like you slashed and give, like, a damage indicator or something on the character, but basically just swatting people down. If you attack a stormtrooper, you're not going to cut limbs off. Apparently now you are. So <laughs> I guess it's the Force Unleashed meets Dead Space when it comes to dismemberment. Um, should be interesting. All right, you mentioned the Nintendo DS there. It's now in 3D without glasses. Any Star Wars content announced in 3D for it? Not yet. What we got is this big push for 3D at E3, either through the PlayStation 3 that now has 3D capability uh, as a firmware update 3.3 that came out, I guess it was a couple months ago now. Of course, you have to have a thousands of dollars 3D television, the glasses and everything to make that work. So far, nothing 3D announced for that or for what really stole the show this year, which is what you were referring to, the newest version of the Nintendo DS. It's called the Nintendo 3DS, which is 3D without glasses. Take the DSi, the newest version, with the cameras, and you add an analog stick for people who have been begging for that, though that means probably left-handed people are out of luck on the 3DS because you won't be able to use uh, interchangeably whichever side you want to grab onto because there's only one analog stick on it. It adds a new type of screen that is essentially also like a shadow box. It's 3D going inward. It's not like it's going to make, make it look like it leaps out at you. But uh, it's 3D, three-dimensional, and people have been going gaga over this thing. Everybody who's seen it, most of the reviewers are going crazy for it. Um, and it's got – it still takes pictures like the DSi does, and it's got two cameras to do that, which lets you take essentially 3D pictures to be viewed on the DSi. It's, it's, it's a big deal. We don't know how much it's going to cost. The DSi costs about 170 give or take, right now. And uh, Reggie, the guy who's sort of the spokesperson for Nintendo, has told, among others, that Michael Pachter, uh, who reported it on the bonus round recently, that it costs a heck of a lot more to make a DS or a 3DS than it did for a DSi. So they don't intend to lose money on the system, so expect it to be more expensive. We may even see the 3DS costing more than a Wii does the first time a, a portable's cost more than uh, a console from the same company. It's got great potential for Star Wars games. Especially if you're looking at things like first-person shooters, like if we had something new coming in the vein of a Republic Commando, that would be cool. Or if we had something with maybe another flying game, bring us back to something like Starfighter or Rogue Squadron. It, whatever type of game where 3D would make most sense, 
But you do have games that are going to be third person that make use of it. They announced, for instance, Kid Icarus finally returning in a game for the 3DS. Because uh, that's what people were clamoring for, more Kid Icarus. No, I mean, th- that's when you talk to Nintendo fans, that is the one that people have been begging for for literally years. I uh, hated that game Zelda, in the 80s. Oh, I, I couldn't stand it either, but people love it, apparently. Um, the, the thing about the 3DS at this point is I would have thought this was very gimmicky, and the DS is not necessarily a, the, the console that I would choose for most games that I play. But this new system apparently blew people away to the point where you got the people at Capcom behind Resident Evil saying, yes, we are, we're dying to make a Resident Evil game for this, which they are. Hideo Kojima, the guy behind the Metal Gear series and the newest Castlevania that's coming out, was blown away to the point where he just dived immediately in and said, we're going to make a Metal Gear Solid game, and he's going back and retooling Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater specifically for the 3DS. Apparently this is the next big thing as far as at least the developers are concerned. No Star Wars games announced for it yet, but given how much uh, LucasArts tends to like to give Nintendo systems exclusives, it's possible, but not yet. So while we're talking about the new technology, you talked about the 3D for the PlayStation 3. The big thing, as Marjorie mentioned earlier, is, I guess for lack of a better term, virtual reality type games. With- it's the Wii without a Wiimote. It's previously Microsoft's Natal project, and now it's the Kinect. That's K-I-N-E-C-T. Right. You've got basically the newest generation of motion controllers. PlayStation is putting out the PlayStation Move, which uses the PlayStation Eye to essentially take something that's like a Wii remote and give it more depth. The Move, we haven't seen a Star Wars game announced for yet, but you could probably expect one coming soon. The Kinect is the one that really kind of pushes this a little bit further. The Kinect is essentially the old Natal. You've got three, I think, cameras it is on one device that track your movement when you're standing. So far, they're saying it's not going to work when you sit. Uh, so prepare to be active. But when you stand, it tracks your movements and essentially gets a feel for the position of your skeleton as you do it. The little mini games, they've shown some dancing games that really look in-depth compared to other dancing games where you actually have to match uh, poses and such. But the idea is a game without a controller. And they showed a preview of the next generation of Star Wars game, you might say, that right now has no title. They're just calling it Star Wars Connect, where essentially you're a Jedi and this thing captures your body movements as you play as a Jedi. Now, you might think, you know, how much can they do with something like this? What we're seeing so far is essentially that it captures your movements, and your right hand is essentially your lightsaber. So whatever way you're moving your lightsaber controlled by that hand, it's going to track your motions and move the lightsaber that way. You also have what looks like your left hand controlling force pushes and force grip. Uh, You throw your, your left hand forward with the palm open, there goes your force push. You reach out and grab something and sling your arm, that's going to be grabbing whatever you were aiming at, slinging that thing through a force toss like they do with a particular tank in the little bit of gameplay footage that we saw. Uh, if you're going to move left or right, it seems as though you're going to be in a specific place, like like a, a fixed position, and you can walk left or right as the camera tracks you within that screen, you might say. And then when you want to jump forward or move forward to the next little battle zone, you'll put your arms behind you. Basically, if 12 o'clock is in front of you, you're putting your arms at, I guess, 4 and 8, and it zips you forward like a force dash, like in the Force Unleashed, towards the next part of the confrontation, to go on from there. It doesn't seem like you'll be walking everywhere. Lots to wonder about as to how effective this control scheme is going to be. And just by looking at the demo, you can tell that this is going to be the bane of Star Wars fans with bad posture. Because you've got, <laughs> it, it, just in the in the preview, you've got a guy that's like, 
<laughs> to try to hit things. And you're like, wow, that is the most uncoordinated Jedi and the slowest moving Jedi I have ever seen. Well, isn't that the point uh, of a video game is to make you feel cooler than you really are? Yeah, not so much anymore. Well, and I just imagine how silly everyone's going to look twirling around their living room with no lightsaber in your hand. Well, to the next point, if we were all this athletic, wouldn't we just go out and play sports? Yes, but you can't use lightsabers and fight stormtroopers and stuff if if you're outside playing sports. I can't do it in my living room either, apparently, if I'm not already able to do backflips. Yeah, that does make me wonder because, I mean, they've showed things like they showed a one of the previews for this showed a kid doing like a, a high kick to kick someone's face in a martial arts game. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Does that mean that I'm going to wind up getting my butt kicked? Or does that mean that I'm going to wind up pulling muscles I don't want to pull by trying to play this game? I anticipate, Uh, you know how the Wii brought about broken televisions mm -hmm. and broken lamps? The Kinect is going to bring about a whole new level of orthopedic injuries that we've never seen before, way beyond the Nintendo thumb of the 80s and 90s. Well, what about yeah, the fact that video games were the great equalizer where an eight-year-old with too much time on his hands can beat everybody? Now we're going to all lose to the ninjas again. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be one of those where basically if you're if you're built like Declan Mulholland who played Jabba before they put Jabba over him, you might as well not even try. Um, <laughs> though i, I got to wonder if you'll be able to tweak your character's appearance because the, what I saw was basically it's not taking a picture of the person. It's just mapping out the character on the screen to it. But there are different things that they're showing with the Kinect that let you have it take your picture to do things like, you know, choosing outfits and stuff like that, um, like some of the more, yeah, I guess, casual gaming type things. you got to wonder if it's going to get to a point where you could tweak your character's look or if it's going to measure you and say, oh, you're pretty rotund. And boom, now you've got a Jedi whose size you can't alter. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. But, but the, the trick really with the motion control stuff is going to be whether or not people feel like this is worth it from a price standpoint. Because uh, whether you're buying a PS3 or an Xbox 360 brand new, you're looking at about 300 bucks. They both have the built-in Wi-Fi now because of the new Xbox 360 that just came out this week. The problem with it is the move for one set of controllers – you're looking at, at the absolute least, even if you already have the PlayStation Eye camera from a previous game that needs that you need for it, if you're going to get the controllers for both hands, you're going to need about 80 bucks for the PlayStation Move. And even though Microsoft hasn't announced the Natal price, GameSpots or GameStop already has the price, Walmart already has the price, Amazon already has the price, the Kinect is going to be 150 bucks basically. So you're looking at a pretty steep price jump if you're just going to get it for the possible Star Wars games for it's it's one of those things where I think price is going to be the big concern, whereas the Wii is still relatively cheap uh, compared to the other consoles. They brought the console prices down for these two, but now starting in September with the Move and in November with the the Connect, all of a sudden you're, the price to become part of that installed base for this particular system is going to jump through the roof again and bring you almost back to where it was when the systems first came out. I don't see a lot of casual gamers, which is who Microsoft is trying to grab with the Kinect. I don't see a lot of casual gamers saying, well, just for the heck of it, I'm going to go drop 400, 500 bucks on a brand new system. They might, but I, I think that's the one place where this Kinect strategy may not work out as well as hope. Same thing with the Move, but especially with the, uh, with the Kinect because it's the more pricey of the two. We'll see. All right, Nathan. So that is everything. Single most exciting thing for you. What is it? I would really say the single most exciting thing for me is, you know, I would actually say the uh, uh, the, the Star Wars Connect game. 
because if it's done well, and, and right now I think it's kind of in the tech demo stage, you got LucasArts giving the information, Microsoft, who actually is behind the Kinect, being the people actually creating the game itself, and the Kinect being such a new experience in gaming. I'm excited for that. Even if it turns out to be kind of lame, if it winds up sort of being the lightsaber duels of the Xbox 360, um, I still think it's going to be enough of a different type of experience that it's going to open the door to a lot of new gaming possibilities on that end. So I'm looking forward to it. The game itself won't come out, though, until sometime in 2011. So even though the Kinect will be out this year, you don't need to necessarily rush out and buy it just yet. Uh, I may, but, you know, that's just because I'm impatient like that. All right. Well, Nathan, thank you for joining us for this. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks to Nathan for stopping by and doing the research on all of this because, like I said, I'm a PC gamer. But you don't really game that much they don't really make that many games for pcs anymore yeah console games i i used to love my nintendo in the 80s but once i got into pc gaming consoles lacked the rich experience i liked yeah so thanks again nathan that's our show for this week remember party yes go to our party at Celebration, it's going to be Thursday night. So those of you coming for the weekend, you've still got a chance to meet some people. A lot of people really liked it at Celebration 4 because they were able to have some familiar faces when they're passing people in the hallway or standing in lines. And L.A., the convention center, was huge and spread out over so many different areas. And you had a hike, literally, sometimes to get to where you needed to go. And it was nice to see someone that you knew. And don't forget, now that this podcast is over, you can head to republicforces.com and listen where Jerry, Jen, Dan, Nathan, and I are reviewing the Droid series. And if you haven't seen the Droid series, a couple of the episodes can be found on YouTube. The Some of the more of them can be found on the Droids DVD. The first episode's actually really hard to find unless you speak Spanish. I found it on YouTube in Spanish, which itself is its own form of amusement. <laughs> but check that out at RepublicForces.com. And also, our other podcast, Now Playing, has started a Predator retrospective series. Predators is coming out in July, and we're all amped for it and watching all of the films in the Predator series, including Aliens vs. Predator. So you can check that out at nowplayingpodcast.com. And if you'd like to find out about the torture that I endure watching the Predator series and other movies for the Now Playing podcast, because, you know, I have to watch them with Arnie because I'm his wife. You can follow me on Twitter. It's Margie C. Let's face it. You fell asleep for both AVPs. Look, I had no choice. They were bad. I don't agree, but listen to Now Playing to find out. But thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week with a review of the Star Wars poker chips I got from Think Geek and the Star Wars bookends from Borders. Yay! Bookends. I want to put out a call. I'm still looking for Star Wars checklists in digital format. Please don't refer me to websites. I'm not looking for a website. I'm looking for a database or a spreadsheet that you own because I got to go through down here with something and mark it off. And I don't want to have to wait for page load times. I want something a little bit more immediate, a little bit more easy to use. So if you have a great spreadsheet, please send it in. And I'm also still looking for ways to jury rig some fake mini mag stands. So if you have any ideas on that, send me an email. ArnieC at SWActionNews.com. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. 
You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit yakface.com, hanshideout.blogspot.com, and jedi-temple-archives.com, and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is web programmers Jason and Joe, associate produced by Brock, reporters Jerry and Steve, graphic design by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Berent. Star Wars Action News is copyright 2010, all rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a production of Venganza Media Incorporated. I got to be honest. I remember Celebration 4, and there were a lot of prints, and I was looking at them, and I was kind of like, nah, you know. Did you say um, the PlayStation Moo like a cow? Moo! Move. M-O-V-E. Okay. Moo. The, uh, the PlayStation Moo. I was like, wow, no. there's a name. Uh, wow, aren't you? No, the...